0: Hey, I just wanna say thank you for checking out this message today. I hope that it helps you, that it encourages you, and that you are able to learn a little bit more about who God is and why so many people throughout history have chosen to become followers of Jesus. If you enjoy this message and you wanna hear more, you can find us on Facebook, or YouTube, but ultimately you can find everything you need to know at clcwinnipeg.ca. There you can find more messages, you can find our social handles, ways to get connected to our church, and if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do that as well. And like I said before, I hope that you are encouraged by the message you're about to hear. God bless you. Hi everybody, and welcome to Christian Life Church Online. We're really glad that you joined with us again And uh, today we're going to be continuing talking through our series, cover to cover, as we cover every book of the Bible. Now, back a few weeks ago, I talked uh, from, I spoke from the book of Matthew, chapter 28, and we have finished up the Old Testament as well. So today we're going to be delving into more of the New Testament, uh, predominantly or precisely today with with uh, speaking from from the book of Mark the second of the four gospels in the New Testament and I want to talk to you today about where would we be without servers in our uh, in our society we really do put a lot of I guess emphasis on the importance of CEOs and presidents and executives and leaders and And we we richly reward them, compensate them, pay them well. They get bonuses and all of that sort of stuff. And you know, it may be them that get their name on magazines, covers or articles and get recognition. You know, if you're you're doing well, you may end up being invited to be a speaker, a keynote speaker, that sort of a thing. And we really highly esteem uh, people that occupy important positions but what about those who serve what about those who um, you know work in mail rooms uh, work on production lines uh, people that work in restaurants serving you coffee you know the drive-through all of those kind of positions what about them well they're important too you know, when you look at Romans chapter 12, verse 7, it talks about serving as being a gift. And it says, you know, if your gift is serving, then serve. When we look at Acts chapter 6, verse 1 to 4, there is a really bad scene going on. They One of the things that the early church did was it distributed food to, um, to widows, looked after uh, very practical needs. They were very involved in social kind of ministry. And what was happening was the, uh, the widows, the Hebraic widows were being overlooked. They were being missed. They weren't getting their, their daily portions. There was disorganization and chaos. And it would appear that the apostles were overseeing this part of their ministry, this serving part of their ministry. And they realized how badly they were doing at it. And so what they did was they appointed people who were gifted at serving. And, uh, and then the apostles then devoted themselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. And the result is that the word of God spread. So they had the right people in the right places doing the right things and, uh, and everything just sort of worked. Society, churches, uh, institutions, they stand on the shoulders of those who serve. Imagine a school without custodians. Imagine trying to run a school without somebody who knew how to operate a boiler somebody who now knew how to clean floors wash toilets imagine how chaotic and terrible things would be without those people doing their their jobs without them serving you see serving has a direct impact on people's lives when i think of places that i have served in ministry as a pastor and and in other positions of ministry I'm going to just rattle off a whole bunch of names that come to mind. Eileen, Luella, Les, Cindy, Bert, Roger, Gail, Charlotte, Marilyn, Dave, Ruth. All of these people, and so many more, served. There are many people in this church, in Christian Life Church, and I'm not going to embarrass them by mentioning their names, nor do I want to miss anybody inadvertently. But they are gifts from God because they serve. And it's because of them that great things are accomplished in the kingdom of God. It's because of those who serve that great things are accomplished in the kingdom of God. It's because of them that the gospel is advanced. Think of Billy Graham. A number of years ago, uh, I was in a city and, and uh, we were going to have a Billy Graham crusade. Well, Billy Graham didn't just show up with his pulpit and, uh, you know, open up a stadium and start preaching. There was months and months and months of work that went into preparing for Billy Graham to come. There were people that taught seminars. There were people that did logistics. There were people that led prayer meetings. There were people that recruited workers and taught workers and trained workers There were all of these people that served in the background without any recognition. You didn't see them on the platform. You didn't see their names in the headlines, but they were there. And so so that a man like Billy Graham could travel around the world, preaching to millions of people and seeing hundreds of thousands of people coming to Christ. But before he stood in any pulpit, in any place around this world, People went before him and they served. They served in the background. They made things come together. Now, our text this morning comes from Mark. And it's what Jesus said. He said, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. So our key verse comes from Mark chapter 10, verse 45. And when we look at the book of Mark, I want to give a little bit of background here. And the first thing I want to say was that Mark was all in. The, the book of Mark was is, is entitled after the author, Mark. And there's a couple of interesting facts about Mark. He's also known as John, John Mark. And in Acts chapter 15, verse 36 to 38, he was actually the center of a controversy and a dispute that broke out between Paul and Barnabas. You see, Paul had taken Mark with him on his first missionary journey, and Mark left him. He abandoned him. And uh, that left a pretty bad taste in, in Paul's mouth, and he didn't trust him. He didn't want to take him along on another journey. So this, the Bible records, actually, a sharp dispute, an argument between Barnabas and Paul. And uh, so they separated. They went their own ways and Barnabas took, took, uh, took Mark with him, and they went off to Cyprus, and Paul took somebody else, Silas. And so Paul's opinion eventually changed about Mark. You see, Mark didn't stay in that place. He grew, and Barnabas invested in him and made him a really worthwhile servant. In uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11, Paul is writing, and it's one of his last writings, one of his last requests. And he says, get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. Isn't that a great tribute? And what a wonderful change of opinion about this man named Mark. Uh, Mark had a, a very important relationship with the Apostle Peter. Peter, it turns out, was the source of much of Mark's information that translated into his writing. Peter, uh, I think, was, was known to frequent, to frequent uh, Mark's mom's house. In fact, when, when Peter was miraculously freed from jail, the Bible says he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered for prayer. And he knocked at the door in the gate, and a servant girl named Rhoda came to open it. And when she recognized Peter's voice, you see, he was known there. Even the servant girl knew Peter's voice. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that instead of opening the door, she ran back and told everybody Peter is standing at the door. So Peter had a lot to do with John Mark, with his family, with his mom. Uh, Mark was there at Gethsemane. uh, In Mark chapter 14, verse 51 to 52, it speaks of a young man who was there when Jesus was arrested and they grabbed his cloak and it came off of him and he ran away naked. It's supposed that that was Mark. Uh, He was involved in the story of the early days Of the church well second thing I want to bring about here is that that Mark the book of Mark is like an action story when we read Mark we see that Jesus is on the move there's there's a sense of of urgency almost to to what Jesus is doing he only had three short years to do ministry And 39 times in the book of Mark, you will find the word immediately. You know, like immediately Jesus did such and such. And so Jesus was, this isn't an account of Jesus, you know, casually meandering through the country and, you know, touching people and healing them and just walking around. No, there is purpose and meaning and and action that kind of reads through the book of Mark. The moments counted. And there was this consistent movement that, that, uh, that Mark records here of Jesus and what he was doing. And the movement really was a movement in one direction. And that movement was toward the cross, toward his crucifixion. It was a movement for him to offer himself finally as a sacrifice for our sins. So he wasn't just living in the moment, but Jesus was moving he was straining forward to the cross and to victory over death and sin and satan another thing i want to mention here is that mark portrays christ as a servant you see mark portrays christ not just as a life changer but as one who came to serve and a reminder of what Jesus said, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And I don't know, maybe that's the key verse for the whole book of Mark. So ultimate change is what Jesus was going for in people's lives. But it wasn't just through the miracles that he performed or by his ministry, but it was going to be by his death on the cross. And the way that He would ultimately touch people in all generations was going to be through his crucifixion through his death and through his resurrection why is that significant well because only by believing in christ and what he did that we experience lasting eternal change and eternal life see jesus set an example of how we ought to live He came as a servant, giving his life, and he calls us to serve, too. You know, there's all kinds of books, teachings, seminars on leadership, sermons. You can scour the Internet and find probably virtually hundreds, an unlimited amount of resources on leadership. And it's really trickled down into the church over the last 20 years Uh, The church has spent an awful lot of time on this issue of leadership. What we haven't really um, spent a lot of time on, or as much time on it would seem, is the issue of followership, of being a servant. It's pretty hard, it's pretty hard to, uh, to move anything forward, including the work of God, if everybody's the leader. You've got to have people that serve. And so Jesus was definitely a leader in the book of Mark, but he emphasized serving. Now, I want to read a passage of scripture from Mark chapter 10, verse 35 to 37. And uh, here's what it says. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him, to Jesus' teacher. They said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you he asked well they replied let us let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory what this was was an attempt to grab power it was an attempt to gain a position to have preeminence over their their uh, colleagues they wanted leadership they wanted authority And it's very interesting that what Jesus counters uh, this request with is the words that whoever wants to be first must be a slave to all. In other words, guys, if you wanna really be promoted, better learn how to serve. Well, how do we apply the message of Mark to our lives today? I'll say this, our goal in, um, in preaching through the Bible and speaking through the Bible cover to cover is to give you practical application to the Bible. To not just give you knowledge and, and information and historical facts but practical application. How do I live this out? What's the application to our lives from the book of Mark? What does it mean to us? How does the book of Mark shape our lives, our thinking, and our actions? Well, Mark chapter 8, Mark chapter 9, and Mark chapter 10 give three separate accounts of Jesus talking about losing his life, of being killed, of rising again, and lastly as giving his life as a ransom. Now, we often equate death to losing. You know what I mean. Well, he lost his life in a car accident. Well, he was skydiving and his parachute didn't open and he lost his life. Or she lost her battle to cancer and she died. I lost my husband, I lost my wife, we lost a child. You see, we oftentimes look at death and we equate it with loss. But the truth is that when Jesus looked forward to his death, (laughs) he was was equating it with victory, of achieving his ultimate goal. Just let that sink in. That Jesus did not equate His death with loss, but with victory. See, in a world where we want our rights, and our freedoms, and our liberty, people are willing to win at all cost, to come on the top, to get their way. And we find this, this completely counter to the culture way that Jesus lived. Jesus gave his very life as an example of how we ought to live. And you know, he met resistance to that idea, to that idea. The disciples, you know, they didn't want to talk about it. They, they sometimes had a tendency to ignore that. They didn't want to even entertain the thought of it. And sometimes they even rejected what Jesus had to say about it. Because when you're preferring power and position and promotion, the last thing you want to hear is the one you're following saying, Hey guys, I'm going to die. They're going to take me and they're going to crucify me. That's not a real positive message. If you're looking for promotion, In Mark chapter 8, verse 32, Peter actually took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. It's kind of like, you know, when the underling goes to his boss and and says, hey, you know what, Uh, you know, how you're managing, it's not going over very well. You know, a lot of the workers are upset with you. Could we make some changes? And so Peter, you know, takes his boss aside, so to speak, to educate him, to school him, to inform him, to say, Jesus, you know, lay off on this business of you getting crucified. Let's let's not talk about that. Well, he got an education. Because Jesus actually looked at the disciples and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. And he went on to say, you only have human concerns at heart. What are your concerns today? What are you striving for? What do you want? Well, I think we have a lot of concerns. You see, as disciples of Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, we should have bigger concerns. And and, and we should be breaking free of self-absorbing thoughts, of me getting my way, of me having preeminence, of power, of position. And so what we should be concerned about is loving other people, of serving them just as Christ served, of laying our lives down just as our Savior did, of showing other people that Christ is the life changer, and bringing that message of hope. Jesus came to change lives. I don't know that there's ever been a time that we've needed this message more than we need it today. We get people protesting on both sides of issues, screaming at each other, giving their thoughts and opinions on Facebook and arguing. Everybody wants to win. We want to get our point across. We want to get our views across. We want to be heard. And I wonder what would happen if the body of Christ really got serious about stepping back and talking about Christ. Of stepping back and talking about how Christ came to serve. And I'm here to serve you. I'm here to lay my life down for you. I care about you, and I want you to to think about Jesus. I want you to think about Jesus laying his life down for you. He loves you. He died for you so you can have eternal life. See, that's the message. That's the message. And that's the real issue. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and to lay his life down as a ransom for many. So, have you taken him up on his offer? Have you said, Jesus, thank you for coming. Thank you for laying your life down for me. I receive you, and I receive the sacrifice that you made for me on Calvary. It's a great decision to make. And listen... Whatever your issues are, whatever you want, seek Jesus first. Seek Jesus the most and serve him and serve others. I want to thank you for joining with us today. Go through the book of Mark. Read it. It's a great book. Obviously, next week, God willing, we're going to be looking at Luke and uh, unpacking some of the truths of that book. We'd like to thank you for joining us. Uh, Our services are happening and uh, we're meeting at 930 and 1110 at uh, 1042 Jefferson Avenue in Winnipeg. We'd love you to join with us if you're available, if you're in town. There's something very special about being together. And there's also something special about the fact that you can join with us online because sometimes it's just not physically possible to be together. So we really do count. You really do count. We, we pray for our online audience. We remember you. We think of you. And we're grateful for each of you. So join with us again next Sunday, either in person or online. Until then, have a great week. God bless you.